We may find ourselves in a ditch. We may find ourselves in a crisis. We may find ourselves in chaos. But we can still find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. We are in a sermon series on what it means to be at the feet of Jesus. There's a lot there to unpack and unfold, a lot of things that we're learning as we are there. But at the feet of Jesus is really a place where we abide. And we looked at last week what that means. Jesus said, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. It speaks of a, a relationship with a holy God, that we who were unholy were made holy through the blood of Jesus and now have access in a personal relationship with him. These tree limbs that came from my neighborhood, once were alive and vibrant, abiding in that trunk, that tree that was full of fruit, full of life, now lay here dormant and dead. It can be a picture of our life anytime we unplug from Jesus. Rather than being at his feet, abiding in him, we start abiding in this world, we start abiding in our doubts, we start abiding in so many other things, we become like these limbs. Well, this past week in the life of our church has been a very difficult and hard week. Brett Hay, who has served faithfully as our church administrator, suffered a severe stroke, and he took his last breath here on earth this past Wednesday. Uh, the family is planning a future celebration and a memorial service of his life, and we'll be thinking about that these days and in the week to come. We'll be announcing that date at a later time. But it's not the first time that our fellowship has been through a day like we have this day or a week like we've had this week. It's not often that a body of believers experiences the loss of one of their shepherds, but this isn't our first rodeo. I'm going to give some history because many in our church today weren't here over the last 10 to 20 years, and so I want to go back and remind you, just like Tom said, of the faithfulness and the goodness of our God. As I said, it is in our first rodeo, May 12, 2016, our pastoral care minister, uh, Ron Jackson, beloved, and I called him the Andy Griffith of PCBC. He was just that guy, and he, uh, he was vibrant and full of passion and, and our evangelist uh, among us, and just a great, great Bible teacher. And on that day, unexpectedly, he went on to be with Jesus. It was a gut punch. It was a difficult time. It was a hard time. But the Lord was faithful to shepherd us through our loss. And this body of believers has faced tough days like this several times in our history. I'll take you back even further. 1979, October 15th, PCBC became a national news story when our pastor, Richard Douglas, and his wife were brutally murdered in their home. When I came as your pastor 10 years ago, a lot of people were trying to figure out uh, where I was and where I was going. And they Googled up PCBC, and the headline, and it still pops up today through Google, is PCBC preacher shot dead and murdered. And everybody thought it was me. Now, that goes all the way back to 1979. It is a, a, a tragic time in the life of this church and certainly in our city. And there are many today, I can't imagine what that had to be like, what this church went through in 1979. And yet... Here we are still today. God was faithful then, and there are many members in the life of our church who lived through that, who endured that, and would tell you today, God is good all the time. 
God is faithful, and God is the one who delivers through difficult days. March 13th, 2010, our pastor at that time, Jerry McKinney, passed away from a long-term battle with cancer, and it was brutal for this church to watch him suffer and to endure that battle, and yet he fought uh, valiantly, and yet on March 13th, this church once again found itself mourning the loss of another shepherd. It wasn't soon after that, just a few weeks later on May the 11th, 2010, that Max Alexander, uh, one of my heroes, I served with him all the way back when I first started ministry in the 80s, right here at this church at the old location. Max Alexander, who served this congregation, listen to this, 43 years in one place. Started as our music pastor uh, over the years, then became the pastoral care pastor and senior adults and served just heroically for 43 years. I had the privilege of coming back and doing Brother Max's service, and I remember vividly standing right here in this pulpit, this place packed out to the max and beyond. And I remember in that moment, again, God's goodness and God's faithfulness and how strong the Lord's presence was as we mourned. God's presence and his promises have always been good and have always been true and have served us and helped us and nurtured us and shepherded us through time after time after time in our mourning and in our perceived loss. The Lord and his promises are everlasting. And so today, as I was getting ready, I veered out of my normal preaching plan, still coming to this concept of what it means to be at the feet of Jesus because no matter what happens in our life, that's where we have to find ourselves. We may find ourselves in a ditch. We may find ourselves in a crisis. We may find ourselves in chaos. But we can still find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And so today's message will be very different from what I thought I was going to be preaching today in this series, and yet still relevant to this same theme. We need to learn what it means to be at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to be preaching from a time I had this week in my quiet time that the Holy Spirit used to help me through this week. But I'm also going to use, with permission, a sermon that was preached in this very pulpit the Sunday after Max Alexander died. Bob Shelton, who's on our team again now, was our interim pastor in those days. After Brother Jerry passed, Bob Shelton came and was the interim pastor, and then Max passed away. And this is much of the message I'll share today is what God gave him to give to a congregation 10 years ago. And God's word, historically, what benefited us 10 years ago, I think still speaks loudly and clearly today. And so it'll be a mashup sermon between those two things. There's nobody who understands better what it means to be at the feet of Jesus than Brett Hay. This very moment, he is at the feet of Jesus, face to face with his Savior. He gets it. And yet we too, even though we may not be in heaven, at the feet of Jesus isn't just for those who are in heaven. That's also for you and me. We have that same access to the Lord and Savior. It's just a little different on our end. I can only imagine what he's experiencing right now. What he is being able to see with his eyes, we see by the eyes of our hearts and by faith. We too have that same access to a holy God, not just for one day when we go to heaven, but right now, right here on planet earth at the feet of Jesus. And man, there's never been a time 
where we have so desperately and where we have more needed that abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Brett, to me, was what Jonathan was for David. For the past 10 years, he's been a faithful friend who daily encouraged me and our staff to shepherd the flock here at PCBC. And a couple days after he passed, I was continuing to mourn the loss of my friend. And the devotion that morning was a familiar story of David versus Goliath. However, as I went through this story, there was a piece of this story that jumped off the pages of Scripture that I've read through numerous, countless times, that I've preached through, I'm sure, numerous times, but I had never seen this gold nugget until this week. I want to take you there this morning. If you'll take your Bibles, go with me. I want to see if you missed it as well. 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17 will be in verse 20. Background is the Philistines, the thorn in Israel's flesh, the giants in the land that kept them out during Moses' day, the people of the giants were back again being a thorn in Israel's flesh. They were trying to take the land of Israel and they were now entrenched in the hills, one army on each side of a great valley and they were trying to figure out who was going to own who. You know the story of David and Goliath. Let's go back and take a look at it. We wake up in verse 20, and David's father has asked David to go and take some rations to his brothers who were fighting on the front lines, to go serve his older brothers who were where he wanted to be, but he was back home just taking care of the messy, sloppy sheep. His dad comes to him, and he says, I need you to do this. I need you to take these meals to your brothers. Now, we've talked about it before. I'm not so certain that you were a David to your brothers and sisters, Last thing I ever wanted to do was serve my brother. I don't know about you. Maybe you were more godly. And David certainly raises the bar. Look at it, verse 20. So what did David do the next morning? He arose early in the morning, and he left the flock with a keeper, and he took the supplies. He went as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. So look in on verse 20. We see this little brother going to serve his older brothers. Now, no little brother, as I said earlier, wants to serve his brothers, but David was obedient to the father. He did what he was called to do in the moment in a spirit of obedience. And notice this, he didn't delay his obedience. As you often did with your chores at home when your parents asked you, yeah, I'll do it. And you did it, what, a week later, three years later? Some of you still need to get back to doing it. You didn't even do it the first time. Here's David, and it says he got up early the next morning. He couldn't wait to be obedient. Now, he may have wanted to just get to the war. He may have wanted to get away from the sheep, but he was still faithful. He was obedient immediately. He didn't delay his obedience. He wasn't casual in his obedience. Notice that when he went, he went directly to his brothers. He didn't take the scenic route. He didn't take his time visiting other people along the way. He stayed focused on that obedient task that was placed before him. And I would tell you that as we go through the days and ages in which we live, we need to return to that heart of obedience. When God speaks, the Father, the Heavenly Father speaks in your life, don't pray about it, don't question it, just do it. Let God speak and let him be God and let's be his sheep and follow the voice of the shepherd. Not only do we see that he wasn't delayed in his obedience or casual in his obedience, but he, didn't, he wasn't negligent 
in his obedience. If you look up above there in verse 20, it says that he even took care of his other responsibilities. He left the sheep with another caretaker. So not only was he obedient to the next task in front of him, he remained obedient to the task that was his. He was faithful in all things, the small things, the not-so-fun things, and then getting to go to the front lines of war. He was obedient at all times in all things. Can that be said of you and me? So look back on the history of our church. Think about that word, history. History is us living life on this planet day after day after day and experiencing those days, and they all add up and become history. But all of those days of history are actually the opportunity for you and me to experience his story in your life and in your journey. That's the purpose of history. And when I look on the history of this fellowship, God has, God has shown up powerfully numerous times because he is faithful, because he is good. He'll do the same thing for Israel in this case and for David. Look at verse 21. Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. Then David left his baggage in the care of a baggage keeper and ran to the battle line. And he entered in in order to greet his brothers. So we continue to read through this story. As you go on, you're familiar with the rest of the story. And, and quickly as you get to this, if you're ever reading this in a quiet time or whatever you might be doing, you'll immediately start running to the confrontation between David and Goliath. We love the story of the underdog taking down the big dog. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. And we love that story. How many times does that get preached in a locker room of a football team or a basketball team that has no hope as they're going up against the defending champions and all of a sudden here comes the sermon on David and Goliath and we see the victory that doesn't make sense. Praise God for that end of the story. Praise God for that truth. But David would have never experienced that truth if he didn't understand some key lessons before then. I don't have time to highlight all those lessons, but I do want to show you the one piece that I've missed all of these years. I've seen the obedience that he surrendered to the Father's will to go serve his brothers. I've seen the fact that he took care of all of his other's responsibilities. I saw the fact that he ran into the battle. I saw the fact that he didn't do it in his own strength, but he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. I've seen all those truths, but I missed what you may have missed as we just read those last two verses. There's a piece in there that David, heading towards victory, had to take or he would have been defeated. Did you miss it? I had many times. But let me show you what jumped off the pages and what spoke to me. Because you see, we're so familiar with the story, I think sometimes it can breed blindness. A familiarity that breeds contempt and we can miss some simple key truths. Did you miss it? Well, there are a couple things. We need to learn. Number one, we need to do what David did. We need to respond with obedience. We need to respond with obedience. If we're not careful, when we go through difficult times, when we're facing the giants, and it may be, as the case is this week, for many of us, the giant of grief. It may be the giant of doubt. It may be a giant of discouragement. We can all head for the fetal position and be all discouraged and all down and all, or we can respond 
with a heart of, of obedience. You see, obedience isn't a matter of our feelings. It's a matter of faith. It's responding to what God has declared. Number two, like David, we need to run to the battle. We don't need to run from it. We don't need to ignore it. We don't need to repress it. We don't need to bury our heads in the sand. We have to face it. I wasn't real excited about filling the pulpit this morning, to be real honest. It'd be a lot easier to just stay home and poor me, poor me. But you have to run to the battle every day. Don't let the enemy drive you into a darker spot. Don't let him drive you away from abiding in Christ. But get there and run to the feet of Jesus and let Jesus bring you victory, even in the toughest of days. But the third thing is what we find in verse 22. The third thing that jumped out at me and the thing that I don't want you to miss this morning that is so powerful is found in verse 22. Look at it again. Before he ever got to the victory, we see verse 22. David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper. Then, and only after then, did he run to the battle. So I looked at that. The Holy Spirit just reminded me that David had to get rid of his baggage before he could ever have victory over his giant. That what he was wearing from home to the battle scene, the things he was carrying with him for that moment, he had to lay all of that down at a certain place. He just didn't throw it out like we do. He just didn't throw it over on the side. He left it with a baggage keeper. But he would never have experienced that victory if he would have gone into battle with loaded baggage. And I can tell you that that's true for us today. Our baggage weighs us down and it leads us to defeat. And we need to learn the lesson of David to be able to lay that baggage down and give it to the baggage keeper. Think about all the baggage. We've reflected on this before, but going back just to 2020 and the first quarter and experiencing a crisis that would lead to an economic collapse in that moment, dramatically impacting people's lives and finances. A few weeks later, we would go into a quarantine that the world has never seen for decades. And yet there we were just a few weeks later. Kids put into isolation, ripped out of schools and away from their peers. Many of us separated from those that we work with and from our family members. And still to this day, there are some grandparents and some of our older population that can't be around their own family because of a virus. We've been through all kinds of issues politically. We've watched our nation be ripped apart at the seams. And what seems at times to be heading for a, another civil war, God forbid, I hope that you're praying for your nation as you're praying through all these things, but you put all of that together. You put all those things in our bags, and we are all, all bearing way too much weight. And the sad thing is, we're bearing the weight. We're carrying the bags. And we have the baggage, and everybody's temperature is elevated, and everybody is exhausted, and everybody is worn out. And then we have a week like we've had, and... It can get overwhelming unless you learn from David to lay your bags at the feet of the baggage keeper. And I would tell you what I've learned this week and been reminded of, Jesus is our baggage keeper. How do we know that? We put it on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all of your cares 
That word cares translates into burdens. It's a picture of a backpack on you that is loaded down with boulders. Burdens that we carry. Burdens that get added into the bags week after week after week after week. And here we are just trying to do it for Jesus, carrying the bags, and we're trying to fight the enemy. But unless we learn the lesson of David, unless we lay the bags at Jesus' feet. You see, at the feet of Jesus, yes, there's forgiveness. And at the feet of Jesus, there's peace. At the feet of Jesus, there's healing. At the feet of Jesus, there's wisdom. But at the feet of Jesus, there's also release. He said, cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. I would encourage you, no matter what you're facing, for us as a church and a staff, difficult days because of one we love. Many of you have lost a loved one during these last 12 months, either to COVID or natural causes. Some have lost jobs. Some have lost finances. And so as we battle through grief or hurt or pain or disease or disappointment or prejudice or fake news or division or strife or politics, you can either get weighted down and overloaded or you can find victory as you drop your bags at the feet of Jesus. And so as we get there, I want to share with you what was shared with this church 10 years ago. What God gave to Brother Bob to walk us through then, 10 years ago, many of us weren't here. But we are here now. And the same Holy Spirit and the same Holy Word speaks to us just as powerfully today. So I'm going to read to you what was shared 10 years ago in hopes that it will do the same thing today that it did for us 10 years ago. You may be here today, and as I was going through the PowerPoint, you may not have known Pastor Jerry or Pastor Max or Brother Ron or even Brett. But we all face times like this. We all have bags that get loaded up. We all have our own issues. And so these truths are for all of us today. Let me read to you what Bob shared with our church. He said, God is the answer for what you face. He can be trusted to meet your every need. This morning, we're looking at how God meets us in a time of crisis and how he can be trusted with our future and the words from Scripture apply not only to our church but also every circumstance of our lives. At times like this, our lives are flooded with many often conflicting emotions. We feel the stirring sense of loss balanced by the flood of precious memories of how our lives were touched and changed and drawn closer to the Lord. We feel the insecurity and void left by the departure of their presence and leadership, balanced by the voice of the Holy Spirit reminding us He is in control. We feel that because God created us as emotional beings and a part of His nature within this gift of our emotions, we struggle. In the world, we are told that time heals. But in the Word, we're told that only God brings true healing. We have to seek that. We seek that together. We seek that at the feet of Jesus. I added that part in. It's a sovereign work of His Spirit in our life and life for our church. Be it emotional or physical or relational healing, all of that healing must come from God. And we see in Scripture that God is capable of bringing miraculous, immediate healing and release from any trial or problem. Then Bob directed us, and if you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 147 and verse 3. Psalm 147 
in verse 3. When God provides that healing, when God grows us and stretches us, many times it's in the darkest of moments, the hardest of times. And the promise he reminded the church of 10 years ago is the promise I remind you of this very morning, that God heals who? The brokenhearted. God heals the brokenhearted, not just the overburdened, but the brokenhearted that under those burdens comes a brokenness that is released at the feet of Jesus. Now, you can carry the burdens, you can go on, and you can get broke down, or you can become brokenhearted. You can get overwhelmed with your burdens where it just breaks you, and it makes you bitter, and it makes you hard and cold, or you can release it at the baggage keeper's feet and be released of the burden, and he will heal you, but it takes a place of brokenness. In a moment, we'll have a chance to cast our burdens at the feet of Jesus. Whatever they might be, whatever it is, we'll name the rocks that are in the backpacks. And I'll give you an opportunity to lay those at the feet of Jesus. But the main thing is, right now, maybe you need to start praying, God, I need brokenness in my life. God, I'm tired of being bitter. I'm tired of being burdened. I need to be broken. And then he took them to Jeremiah chapter 31. Flip over to Jeremiah chapter 31. Three truths that he reminded us of that are in this passage. We're just going to read through it and let the Word of God speak. But he reminded the church there are three truths that Israel had to learn. In the chapter before, in Jeremiah chapter 30, it was a dark time for Israel, a time of calamity, a time of being defeated, a time of bondage, for they were reaping what they had sown in their rebellion, and they would be conquered. But God who is faithful and God who is good as they would experience brokenness, he would bring healing to the people. Three things that are learned here as we go through Jeremiah chapter 31. He pointed out God is sovereign all the time. Nothing gets past the sovereignty of God. Number two, he reminded them that God is always in control. And number three, God is faithful. God is faithful to the end. Even when we feel like God has forgotten us, or God is done with us, God will always complete the work he has begun in us. Now to Jeremiah 31. Certain verses, we'll start in verse 3. This is after the pain. This is after the suffering. Now God speaks. God heals. Maybe this is what you need to hear today. It's what this church needed to hear 10 years ago. It's what I needed to hear this week, and what we need to hear this very day the Lord appeared when after they had suffered in their hurt in the darkest hour the Lord appeared he appeared to him from afar saying I have loved you with an everlasting love I have drawn you with loving kindness again I will build you and you will be rebuilt O virgin of Israel there are times in our lives where we need to experience brokenness to be built back up. We need to go through difficult times to remind ourselves He is Lord and we are not. It's in these times that God can rebuild and do a new thing if you'll let Him. Again, you will take up your tambourines. What's the purpose of a tambourine? That's for a Holy Ghost revival. That's for, that's for shouting. That's for uh, the Holy Spirit to be alive and you get the, the noise going. 
Instead of the tears and the boo-hooing, we break out the tambourines. We'll have to buy some for the praise team next week. We'll see how it goes. And then watch what else you get to do. Even in a Baptist church, you get to go forth dancing as merrymakers. Woo! I'm looking forward to breaking out the tambourine and the dance. Right now, I'm in the morning stage. But today, the Lord moves in, and today, the Lord reminds us of His, of his, reminds us of his everlasting love and turns our mourning into dancing. Verse 5, And again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The planters will plant and will enjoy them. For there will be a day when watchmen on the hills of Ephraim call out, Arise, and let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. For thus the Lord says, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob. Shout among the chief of the nations. Proclaim and give praise and say, Our Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Watch this. With weeping they will come. What once was tears of bitterness have now turned into tears of joy. And by supplication, their request, I will lead them. I will make them walk by streams of waters on a straight path in which they will not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Drop down to verse 11. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and redeemed him from the hand of him who was stronger than he. There's that David versus Goliath moment. They will come out and shout for joy on the height of Zion. They will be radiant over the bounty of the Lord, over the grain and the new wine and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life will be like a watered garden. They will never languish again. Then the virgin will rejoice and dance, and the young men and old together. I will turn their mourning into joy and comfort them and give them joy for their sorrow. I will fill the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people will be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah. Lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, verse 16. Restrain your voice from weeping. Restrain your eyes from tears. For your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy. And there is hope for your future, declares the Lord. There are days we wake up on this planet and it feels like the giants in the land are winning. It feels like there's no way we can have victory. There's no way we can experience anything but defeat. Where is God in that moment? He is still on his throne. He is faithful to the end. And we can either go run into battle and get destroyed because we're loaded down with our baggage or we can remember history we can remember his story of faithfulness throughout all generations not just to Israel but right here at home right here among us all the way even before 1979 and 2010 all this time God has been faithful and in this passage, Jeremiah reminds the people that God encourages us and comforts us through his word, so abide in his word. Don't listen to the emotions and feelings of the moment. Don't listen to the reality of our culture. It's nothing but fake news. Abide in the good news. Abide in that which brings healing to the soul. 
run back to his word and be reminded of what Jeremiah learned. It said, not only did they find comfort from his word, but God responded to their supplications. And he answered. And he turned their mourning into rejoicing. And how did that happen? They cried out to God in their pain. They cried out from broken hearts and God heard. And God responded. And then the people responded. They received the answers from heaven. And as it closes out, it says, and they will praise me from this day forward. We need to do that today. So I'm going to ask that you would bow your heads. There's so much more that God gave Bob in those moments. Particular verses out of Jeremiah over and over and over again. The truths of God's word. But for this morning and for this time, before we can run to the word of God and cry out, we need to start at the feet of Jesus. For those that knew Brett, that's just another boulder in the bag. That's just another load of baggage. For some of us, we just need to lay that, our grief and our hurt, our mourning at the feet of Jesus, at the baggage keeper. Others of you, you have your own pain, you have your own grief, you have your own struggle, because you live on a planet that has been corrupted by sin and its effects. So bad things happen to good people, and we all have baggage. I'm just going to encourage you right where you are, right here in this space, that you just put a holy circle around you and let that become holy ground. Let that become the feet of Jesus. Where you simply cry out to him in this moment. Release the burdens, release the brokenness, and say, God, I cast all of this and name it. Name the rock one by one. As you take them out of the bags, picture it in your mind from your heart and say, God, I give you this, my bitterness. I give you this, my hurt. I give you this, my doubt. Name it and release it at the feet of Jesus. He can't heal you if you continue to bear it. Cast all of your cares upon him. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.